Okay, coming to you live from deep underneath the Atlantic Ocean in our post-apocalyptic future, it's the 10th of January, I think, 2018, and this is Game Older with CivilFritz.net. Hello. How are you doing today? Apparently, I'm on the bottom of an ocean. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're you know, uh, under the weight of the entire Atlantic Ocean. I think it was the Atlantic Ocean. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get into that later. Who are you? What do you mean, who am I? We, we haven't done introductions yet. Oh, do we do that every time? We have so far. <laughs> I'm Andy Anderson. And I'm Jonathan Anderson. And what are we going to talk about today, Andy? Soma. Soma. We have a special guest today also. Yes, our uh, newborn child is with us. Yeah, yeah. especially after our... So I thought it was our last episode, but I guess the Amnesia episode was the most recent one. But we did that whole episode on brothers and accidentally exposing your children to age-inappropriate content. And it seems odd then that our first game that we've exposed our newborn child to would be Soma. Uh, a horror game about a post-apocalyptic future under the ocean. Actually, I'm pretty sure we've played horror games when all of our kids were newborns. It's true. It's like we know we have to abuse the fact that they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, while we, we hope can. anyway. And we always have the debate about when it has to end before it will start to affect their psyche. <laughs> yeah, so he, of course, has opinions. He He may be scarred for life now, and I'm sure that as we discuss... Uh, our experiences with Soma that he'll he'll break in whenever appropriate or inappropriate to um, you know give his deep commentary you know because in in many ways he is the one most familiar with uh, living long periods in the dark uh, underwater. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Fox. You just keep smiling. And we're back in the uh, in the game room now. We were recording in the guest room slash place where the blow-up mattress is for a little bit uh, because our new microphones had tabletop stands, but that's been remedied thanks to a, a very nice and timely Christmas gift from your mother. So now we get to sit on couches and bowl chairs and just talk at each other across the room. That's true. It's nice. And feed a baby. And feed a baby without a card table in the middle. He's still not so sure about all of this. Yeah. So we kind of mentioned Soma in the last episode, apparently, as um, a game that might be more approachable for someone who wouldn't want to deal with the heavy issues in Amnesia. And I, I of course, have a lot of opinions about Amnesia, but you didn't play as much of it with me. So I'm hoping that you might have more thoughts on this one. Oh, for sure. For sure. Although... uh... Well, let's guess, start off. Like, yeah. what, what's your like? Did you have a specific motivation to play Soma? Uh, I mean, we played it together uh, in large part, but uh, did I knew I was interested in it because I I am interested in games. But uh, <laughs> and, well, and I heard a lot of buzz about it when it came out a little while ago. 
I did miss out on most of amnesia because I knew that just wasn't an experience I was willing to fully have. Um, I guess we should say that Soma is the most recent game, at least I think it's the most recent game, from Frictional Games, which is the, the kind of spiritual successor to their previous game, Amnesia, which we did a previous episode about, mm-hmm. uh, which itself is uh, the successor to their Penumbra series. And they're, they're kind of uh, um, combat-less uh, first-person exploration horror games. Um, yeah, and, and I was sure that... While they have similarities or are built by the same team and have some of the same gameplay, that the sci-fi setting would be far easier for me to take um, than um, the horror castle thing that Amnesia has going on. And and was that not the case? Like, did you did you Mostly. not think that that's true? Yeah, it's true. Okay. It's true. There are still pieces of this game that I really didn't want to play and knew I wouldn't have enjoyed playing, but I did watch it with you. Um, and yeah, I don't think the existential horror is quite the same for me. Uh, there is some, obviously, but it, it's a far more intellectual sort of horror. Mostly, I thought it got a little graphic. Yeah. Unnecessarily, so I'm not a big fan of blood splatters. To that was something that we degree. that we talked about with Amnesia last time. Is that as I was describing it to you, and you hadn't seen much of that game, just kind of in and out of the room as I was playing it. Uh, my descriptions were were of kind of graphic body horror and mutilation, but uh, as it came out in the discussion, the vast majority of that, if not all of it is is off screen it's not actually depicted it's something that you imagine either from reading some text or it's just relatively lo-fi um but that's not really the case in soma it's a, it's far more kind of sci-fi graphic of yeah. dismemberment and things like that yeah and i didn't really think it i can take some graphic violence if i really feel like it has a purpose for the story but i'm I am really big into that kind of thing needs to have a reason. And it a lot of it didn't. I mean, did we really get a sense for why people's heads were getting popped off? Like why? Why? Well, I mean, we were expecting to find out why and I don't feel like we really did. So I I think in general we're meant to believe that the bodies are just being mutilated as parts as the uh as the the wow the ai intelligence oh, in the game is like using them to create pieces? new things yeah um, oh uh but, but let's let's back up a little bit so mm-hmm. like if, if you can recall because we did start playing this game a little while ago and then we had a break and then we kind of got back into it with christmas break and and with having a new child mm-hmm. that was keeping us at home and mm-hmm. up late at night um do you, what is your first memory of soma do you do you remember any of like the trailers and the stuff we were looking at when it first came out do you have a memory of beginning playing it when we first started like what is where does it begin for you um i don't remember the trailers i absolutely remember the first time we played it and that little apartment that you start out in when you're still a real human um and because I was playing then. I was willing to play then. I kind of played up until the first real horror sequence um, and then handed it to you. Um, and I remember the really 
desolate office that he goes to where he goes to sit in the chair to have his brain scanned. Um, yeah, and then the just kind of horrifying feeling where he wakes up and he's all alone in this post-apocalyptic universe and he doesn't know how we got there and everybody's gone. Like, that that left a, an impression on me, for sure. Just that feeling. I think that to me is horrifying in this way like where I could imagine it happening just being unlucky enough to be the last person alive right and that's horrifying whereas amnesia there are reasons I won't play that but I also don't fear that one day I will wake up in an evil castle with a Cthulhu type monster coming you know right okay fair enough um so yeah, I, I, we can start with a little bit of plot, plot synopsis. Then you play it. Do, what's the guy's name? I've forgotten. It starts with an S, I think. It almost feels like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he is more of a character up front than Daniel in Amnesia. L- let me look it up. We should say what his name is. Um, Robot man. Yeah. Um, poor, poor man. Simon. Simon. You play as Simon Jarrett, or apparently, but Simon. Uh, all right, let's start over. Plot synopsis. You are Simon. You start out in your apartment. You're a totally normal dude, but you have some kind of terminal illness. I forget what it is. It's some kind of... Do you like have a car crash? Maybe. I don't remember now. That was so long ago. But it, the, the thing that's important is that he has some kind of terminal illness or injury, and they think that they might be able to craft treatment for him or help him in some way uh, by doing this new experimental brain scan. So you climb into a chair and have your brain scanned and then wake up in a completely different place uh, that you don't recognize. It's kind of um, techno-industrial uh, future setting yeah and no one's around and you start exploring and you c- quickly come to learn i don't remember the exact sequence of events but you come to learn that you are underwater you're in some kind of underwater f- uh like r- research facility and uh you quickly get an omni tool thing uh this handheld device that unlocks doors and does all manage your it is your mm-hmm. omni tool in the game it's the thing you point things at or point at things to unlock them and do stuff but it also contains uh the mind of dr Catherine chun uh who was a research scientist in the pathos 2 uh facility which is the like there's an alpha site and a gamma site and a beta site and all okay. of these different sites so you you said that that moment like left an impression on you. What what was that impression? Like what was your response to it? Mm, I I just deep loneliness and the fear of just being alone. Like to me that's that's a that's a big one. Like if you ask me what my own personal hell would look like, I'm pretty sure that would be very close. Um just yeah, left alone in this desolate place, all alone. It's dark and creepy. You wouldn't even have to put a monster in there for me to think that it was just the worst thing you could do to a person. Okay. Um. I mean, I don't know how that would. Yeah, I've seen some critics describe the the problems with this game because it, it's it's both better than and in some ways not as good as Amnesia. And one of the ways that it's criticized is that the the sidekick person that 
Simon talks to throughout the game relieves the tension and in some ways dilutes that sense of loneliness. And it kind of bounces back and forth because there are times uh, she can't talk to you when you actually have the Omni tool. You have points where you like slot it into a computer and then she talks to you over the intercom while you're exploring an area. But when you actually pick it up to go to a new place, you don't have that. So it kind of goes back and forth, but it still does kind of undo that sense of being alone a yeah, little bit. It- it totally does, um, which when you kind of think about the pacing of games and the way that tension works, that it's possible that without her, the tension is just too high. It's constantly too high to make a good game out of it. You need relief in games like that, especially if they're going to have intentional horror sequences. You need times to like calm down and think and kind of get out of that space for a while. Good games always give you places to do that because you can't keep up this constant level of adrenaline um with this kind of horror obviously with action games you can totally do that but um yeah i know what you mean though like if if that was their whole goal was to just existentially horrify you take her out but take all the monsters out too and just leave you totally alone so is that sense of being alone in a game something that puts you off or do you think that that's part of what's good about it so i i remember this time where you were describing uh metroid to a friend of ours that doesn't play games and doesn't really care about them at all and you mentioned that one of the things that i liked about it was how even the two-dimensional variants of metroid could convey a sense of being alone and loneliness and isolation and she was completely confused by why you would want that feeling in a game uh was that something that you see as valuable in this instance or is it like i mean yeah yeah i I, because it's so specifically horrifying to me it's not something that i would want to do like i don't want to play another game like it right after it and i need breaks right we we try we actually went through three or four games trying to find something else to play after soma but it's such a specific experience that anytime you um you explore a media that can make you feel like like you would really understand what something would be like that's something i value like Maybe more often I would like to feel like that with a happy emotion, but there's something very interesting and true to human experience about those spaces where you really are alone. And even though maybe we're not post-apocalyptic robots chasing us alone, um, you know, all of us spend more time with ourselves than we do with anybody else. And I think there is something a little bit horrifying about that, that... I try to distract myself from and maybe other people enjoy it, but it kind of draws a certain amount of, um, what's the word? Uh, (laughs) Some awareness to it. Mindfulness to think about what that really means to be alone when there's no escape. There's nothing making noise to distract you or to listen to like, Catherine is there, but she's a fairly limited resource, and he doesn't have her all the time. Like, yeah, that's not just a fantasy or something someone made up. There's a lot about that that's very real. And thinking through that is valuable. But I do feel like it's something that the game missed 
because more than once I found uh, we were playing something and maybe it was one of the outside uh, sections or maybe it was when we were crawling through some ductwork and it was maybe a period right after we'd completed a section and we picked up the Omni tool and we had it silent again and Simon didn't have anyone to talk to. And I would think, you know, if you really think about what's going on, this is a horrifying situation. This idea, not only is he alone, like in, in the immediate sense, but he's existentially alone because it's post-apocalyptic. The, the setting is that the entire surface of the earth has been destroyed by a comet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people that were in this underwater research facility are the only people left on earth. And as you explore, you find base after base that has no one in it. You're the only one left. And the game doesn't really make you feel it. Or it didn't make me feel that way. I had to like stop and realize mm. how horrifying it is. Oh, and it's on the bottom of the ocean. Like you're, you are the furthest away from society that you could possibly be on earth. And you are, I still didn't feel like the game kind of made that sensation real most of the time. And maybe it's because it's a sensation that would scare me more because you definitely are more into being alone but it definitely made me feel that way like like i told you it reminded me of bioshock 2 even though there are a lot of not bioshock 2 why do i always put a 2 behind i don't know it reminded me of bioshock um even though there are people in that they're so far gone from humanity that you really feel like alone and you're on the bottom of the ocean in the middle of the society that used to be but has crumbled and you know, that's more flashy, but there's still this horror in it. And I related the two very much. Um, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like being amazed that this protagonist is motivated enough by the goals in the game to keep going. Because um, I feel like if I was in that situation, I would be tempted to find the brightest corner next to one of the robots that still has like a mind in the first station. Some of the robots still talk. Do you remember? You have to kill some of them. But yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, I would just like seal myself up there and I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be able to go on. Um, and he does. Yeah, so if, if we go back to our, our little mini plot synopsis or at least introduction again, uh, also relatively early in the game, you run into uh, at least one uh, kind of half destroyed robot it's like crushed underneath something and mm-hmm. it's convinced that it's human uh but it's it's very like industrial robot kind mm-hmm. of thing it's it's not android at all um but it even when you confront it with the fact that it is not human it it insists no don't you see my arms don't you see my legs i mm-hmm. i i am obviously human how could they? obviously the problem is with you um and then you're put in a situation where i i think it's not actually required but the game presents you with an ostensible choice to uh, to turn him off or not, and to do so makes it simpler to progress. Um, and I had seen that scene during like the Giant Bomb Quick Look or something like that, and thought that that was spoiling me on. Of course, the conclusion that you draw from that is Simon is uh, is not really human. He's a robot and thinks that he's human. Right. Um, and 
whatever i had a low opinion of the game and the storytelling and thought that that was going to be like the big reveal but the game doesn't really hide that from you uh very Mm -hmm. soon after that uh simon comes to realize that he is uh a a copy of his own mind in a robot body and you learn more details of what that means over time um but that that kind of surprised me that that wasn't a secret that you know within the first hour of the game or so that's pretty well understood and simon just accepts it i yeah it's long enough ago that i don't remember exactly how difficult that is for him to absorb but i don't remember it being this big like him throwing a fit and banging his fist and insisting that it can't possibly be true right i i think that actually adds to it for me it makes the whole thing more realistic it there's no big flashy reveal it never really happens. It's slow. The closest thing is far after you know this to be true, the first time you encounter a mirror and see yourself in the mirror. And every time Simon learns something about himself, including when he sees himself in the mirror, the parts of his body that he sees during animations becomes more what you assume is accurate. So like at the very beginning, even though he's this bionic machine or whatever uh when you see his hands they are human hands but then as he learns about himself he sees uh like a technology gloved hand and then less and less human characteristics about himself the more he comes to realize his true nature and that's that's pretty cool yeah and I, i you do kind of guess at everything very early on even before he reveals it and it's there there is no yeah, there's no shock. It's all just kind of laying it out in front of you and letting you kind of just deal with it. And that that is the game, is dealing with the situation he finds himself in and wondering if there's... I mean, really, the whole thing is about do you decide to have hope or do you lay down and die and destroy everything as quickly as possible so that the horror that is left is gone? That That's, that's the whole game, is do you do what you can to see if there's still hope out there for something worth living or do you take the bleakest view possible that this is all awful and you should destroy it um and he's presented with that choice Mm -hmm. multiple times so as we mentioned already you started off playing this game and and by that i we we mean you were holding the controller and we're controlling the game this is significant with any kind of horror game yeah it it was an experiment to see if maybe uh one if the setting would be easier for you to take and and deal with but also um if you know if you felt up to the task of, (laughs) of piloting uh and and there was a specific point where you you didn't feel like you wanted to be uh, in control anymore yeah so when when there really is a chance that something will jump out at you it like i'm done i if you remember playing gone home i had some of the same lonely feeling in that even though it's it's not the same you're just in a house that no one's in but if i had found out that there's something that can get you in that house i would have been done it was already like i was on edge just playing that game and being alone but that's kind of the perfect level of that kind of feeling for me um i was just remembering as we were talking about this that when i was a kid in wisconsin and trying to learn to play the piano before I entirely gave up on it and i think this is one of the reasons why i gave up on learning to play the piano The only piano I could really practice on in our house was in the basement. And the basement, unlike most people's basements, 
did not belong to my family in any way, shape, or form. We had no stuff down there. It belonged to our church. Um, and it was full of church-type things, like a big um, kitchen to feed hundreds of people and, um, you know, those kinds of industrial tables you have at churches yeah, big or long schools. folding tables and... Folding chairs. Um, ping pong tables and because it's a Nazarene mm-hmm. church. Yeah. Um, my dad was a minister. We grew up over the Fellowship Hall um, where people did stuff. It, that That's how the house was built. The basement was for the church. Anyway, the piano was down there. It was this really awful, out-of-tune piano that was painted blue for some reason and that was really where I had to practice and it was against one wall and if I wanted to practice I had to go sit at this piano with my back to the entire basement and practice and I used to beg my mother to come down there with me and she always had other stuff she wanted to do she didn't want to sit there and stare at me play the piano for 30 minutes so I'd go down there and get through my lesson as fast as possible and I would constantly turn and look over my shoulder to just 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 check that everything was still the way it was supposed to be and there were weird noises and there's it was this huge space behind me that i couldn't look at well and that wasn't it was intentionally not secured the way a home would be it was far more publicly accessible yeah people would randomly come down um looking to do stuff or store stuff and scare the crap out of me all the time that wasn't you know, we had homeless people wandering in there too. So there wasn't a guarantee that it was somebody I knew. And most of the time I was just alone. And when I got to the end, I had to turn all the lights off. And there was like a 20 feet um, trip between the light switch and the stairs when I wanted to leave. And it was this I had this specific way I did it in the order I turned them off. And then I would sprint for the stairs and run up. And this whole thing was so horrifying to me that I hated to practice the piano, not because of the piano, but because of this thing. And my other, I guess my other option was to go across the street and play the piano in the big empty sanctuary. And I am convinced that all sanctuaries are at least a tiny bit haunted for reasons. So I had no good choices. Anyway, this game made me think about just how I feel when I'm alone in a big space without an understanding of who is there or if anyone's going to be there with me. And, you know, it's turning your back to the giant room in this game. He's constantly going on computers and terminals to do stuff. And all I'm thinking about the whole time we're playing this game is the stuff that's behind him. And are they going to have something come out? And is he thinking about what's behind him? How could you do that when you know there are monsters in your area? You're still turning your back on them to solve a little puzzle. You know, it's... So you've made allusions to it. Talk mm-hmm. about the monster. Or, or can you talk about the monster? Well, it's not the same one all the way through, you right? sure? Yeah. I mean, in the first place, it started out as robots. And that actually doesn't bother me at all, except that I still can't play that kind of sequence. I would throw the controller at the screen in nervousness because I just don't like being chased. Um, But I can watch that and I can read about that or experience it and, and not be scared, really. I just have this nervous thing. But then they change to these like bio robotic people who are kind of mutilated and that it's the same kind of amnesia thing they hulk around and kind of 
when they sense you, they come after you and you have to dodge around corners and try to complete puzzles without being caught and then finally make it into the area where they can't go. Or what, they disappear. Was the first monster a pure robot? I don't remember that. I mm-hmm. thought, really? Okay. Yeah. A little Bioshocky, Not really. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a total I remember daddy, it feeling more size. hulking and yeah. slow. Big, slow. <laughs> yeah. Not, I don't know. Like, robots don't really get me in quite that way. I just um, don't like being chased. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but then they get, and they do the thing where you don't really see the monster very much, and if you do, you die. They actually do that a little bit better in this one uh because because you're a robot of of a fashion um presence of the other the robot monster things uh glitches out your pers- your perception uh so even more than in amnesia where it just all kind of goes wibbly wobbly and this one it kind of puts a weird static on your screen so it, it really does do a relatively good job of obscuring your ability to see the monster just by virtue of <laughs> blotting it out when you get close to it yeah and it is genuinely unsettling um and anytime people do a good job of not actually showing the monster and i feel this way in movies too that as soon as you totally show me the monster and let me get a good look at it, I feel much better. But if you let my imagination do all the work, my imagination is a billion times more horrifying than anything anyone could actually put on the screen. I think Yahtzee says something like that in his review of Amnesia. That um, something about yeah, just how much more cruel our own minds are to ourselves than anything anyone could come up with. And if you just let people torture themselves for a while, it's more effective. Yes. Something about sandpaper on crotches or something. (laughs) So back to like plot synopsis and lore a bit. The monsters in this one are explained as there's an AI that's running the station um, that is programmed with the directive to preserve human life. And when faced with the apocalypse... It starts trying to find ways to uh, to preserve what life remains, which is the crew. Uh, and as you do in a fictional game, um, you are discovering diaries and logs and things like that. And the people that created it are musing about how while the AI was programmed with the motive to preserve human life it doesn't necessarily know what that means or what parts of human life are valuable so it is responding to this with the desire to preserve like biological life and physical life and so it is ostensibly uh, scavenging parts from the bodies of the the crew to create beings that will live longer than the individual humans would and the monsters are are the result of that and apparently apparently the first one starts off mostly mechanical or all mechanical but as you progress through the game they're kind of more and more horrific meldings of technology and humans and another lore point is that they have this this gel i forget what it's it's structure gel that's what it's called this magic structure gel mm-hmm. that you rub on things and it becomes alive and so when you find the source of it much later you see experiments where they have like a dead rat and they apply structure gel to it and it starts twitching and moving and becomes alive uh part of the plot is that the ai the wow which stands for something that doesn't matter, mm. uh, is 
uh, usurping control of the station and applying the structure gel to revive the bodies of the dead crew into these kind of grotesque hulking monsters that, that patrol the halls. Right. Yeah. What's interesting about that is if you paid attention to the logs, um, it's hard to see the wow is just evil because they were all running out of food. There was nothing coming from the surface. They were going to die. And this AI is trying stuff. And it's horrifying. And at the same time, like, well, it's, it's not nothing. And what they had before the wow was nothing. They were just going to die. And that is one of the two main existential questions that the game is uh, quite overtly asking the player to uh, to consider. Uh, the other is the arc. And so there, there's really two halves of this game. There's the, the wow plot, which involves the monsters. And there's the arc plot, uh, where Dr. Catherine Chun, the, the sidekick person in the Omni tool, and other people uh, in, the, in the environment were creating a Matrix-style uh, AI computer haven thing that they they built it before you arrive and uh, uploaded their consciousnesses into it. And they're trying to launch it into orbit so that it can power itself from the sun, I think, uh, and last for thousands of years and preserve what remains of the human mind, whereas the WoW was trying to preserve what remained of the human body. Um But both of these plots are really pretty overwrought and don't lend themselves to much subtlety, both in their subject matter, but also just in the way that uh, that Simon and Catherine are constantly having conversations. Oh, isn't this really a deep thought about how, how doesn't this make you question the nature of human being? We're like, okay, but maybe you could have not said it and let the player think about this a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I get that some of that is a little overwrought, but if you see the whole thing, it's just an experience and they're trying to deal with it realistically. Maybe they really would have talked like that and that you really are just in it, watching it play out. And it isn't that they're trying to reveal something necessarily brand new, but they're letting you experience it like only a video game really can let you, you know, that there are lots of things that maybe this thought has been had before, but have you ever gotten to actually play through it walk through it and play it out and you know i i hadn't really had to deal with that and you know the and and what do you mean when you say you haven't had to deal with that what is that being alone at the very end of all things and having to consider is it better to let everything die or to take a risk to revive hope that compromises what you think humanity is, either in terms of these bio-monsters or these copies of people's minds put into a, a computer program. Like, are either of those still human? Is it better to try something like that um, or to let everything die? And I was specifically thinking about, you know, I, I come at it from a, a Christian perspective and with my own faith and that's weird like what if what if that really happened like where would you think 
God was in all of that? Like, what would he think about computerized humanity? Would he ever let that happen? Is this realistic? It kind of feels like it is. And that's all very interesting to me. Like, we don't have to view it inside a faith perspective. I just, I always think apocalyptic scenarios are fascinating inside of one. Um, so I, I don't know, like, you could have had a conversation with me about that and I would have thought about it and thought it was interesting. But this is something different than just thinking about it. Yeah, you talk about the, the it's a unique opportunity to experience this rather than just think about it or be told mm-hmm. about it. But I feel it's, at some point, it was probably near the end or at the end, uh, we compared the sense that we were left with to that that we felt after watching Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a movie about... Uh, people who are confronting the impending apocalypse and nothing left to do about it and uh, ending without a happy ending. It ends with the world ending and mm-hmm. uh, and finding kind of, uh, I don't know, peace with it and, and finding something what's left at the end. Um, and we got a little bit of that here. And I think there's opportunity for experiencing more of that when you're interacting with it. But I don't really feel like the game ended up letting you feel that um well i mean that's hard because in in a lot of ways it's like this game is different than seeking a friend because that has already happened the apocalypse has happened humanity is dying it's just it's basically dead you you it's slower kind of ultimately find out that there is one actual human left and you meet yeah. her at the end but 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 the demise of humanity it's happened it's just taking a little bit longer to finish its job than seeking a friend but they're dying they are almost dead really you could argue that yeah the one human who is dying is it you are not the ark is not these bio monsters are not it's gone um there's just this weird way to explore what has already died um so that makes it a little bit different um Anytime you're exploring an already destroyed civilization versus one that's about to be destroyed. Yeah. Um, so w- one of the things that, and we talked about it a little bit before this, but um, we generally feel like the antagonism of the monsters uh, both doesn't make sense from a plot perspective right, and also gets in the way of the game from a an experiential standpoint i think this is one of the ways that because you have to worry about this antagonistic relationship Mm -hmm. you have with the wow and with the the monsters that are wandering around the station it distracts from the actual setting and the philosophy that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. considering as you play through the game um do you like I think we've pretty much come to terms with the idea. They, they did, after the game's release, put out a safe mode, or what they call safe mode for the game, where the monsters still exist, but they just are not... Uh, well, we haven't played it, so I don't know for sure, but they're, they're mostly just non-aggressive. I think they may still scream at you and things, but you can't die in it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense, because if the WoW is trying to save humanity, I don't think it would destroy anything that has any smacking of humanity to it which you could argue that simon has at least as much as any of the other creations um there um and 
And if you're in a, a, a game where you can die, there's always the possibility that you can die so much that dying doesn't mean anything anymore and you stop being scared. I was just thinking that they could make it so that these monsters are around. You constantly have to turn your back to them. They still glitch out your screen and make really freaky things happen. But they don't kill you. And I think that's what the safe mode does. Yeah. And they could even have a way that something about the glitching out makes you pass out and wake up maybe slightly less progressed. But no death. You know, just that. Yeah, the game actually has a really weird two-stage or multi-stage death system where you have a health that's invisible like you do in amnesia but if the monster gets to you while you have full health it knocks you out and you wake up where you were or somewhere nearby but if you don't have full health then it knocks you out and you get a game over screen and you start back where you were so it doesn't really do a good job of distinguishing between those states in the first place and i think just yeah. that knockout state would have been interesting. The first time we had that, I thought that that's what the game was yeah. doing. It's more interesting than the death, for sure. I don't think this game needed death. I mean, it, what, is, what does death even mean in a scenario like this? That If you really think about it, if the Simon character is moving through and dies, there's almost a bit of relief to that. Like, oh, good. <laughs> Now he doesn't have to suffer the existential horror of being all alone. Yeah, so one of the... Uh, like again there's there's basically two plots going on in the game one is the confrontation with the wow and the other is the uh, recovery of and and launching of the ark and these are the the two kind of narrative threads as you Mm -hmm. progress um and the the wow plot line culminates in and i i misspoke earlier i said I said that there was one living human, but there is the other guy. Uh, I forget his name, but the the scientist that was responsible for the creation of the WoW. He feels this uh, this responsibility for deactivating it because he sees what the WoW is doing to the crew as an abomination and in some way against humanity. Uh, sure. He wants you to shut down the WoW when you have yeah, the gel that you recover is in some way poison to it I, for reasons for lore reasons so at the end you're presented with a choice of whether or not to shut down the wow and this is meant to be one of the moral choices that you're presented in the game like which is the right answer and is mm-hmm. this a good thing or a bad thing that the wow is doing but the antagonistic relationship that the mechanics of the game sets up with the monsters just pollutes that. Without yeah. without the antagonism, it's an interesting choice. Sure. With the antagonism, it's like, an obvious one. Of course it, it's got to die. Yeah, it's, it's it's been attacking and killing me all this time. It kills anything worth living. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. I, I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, like they had a good message and they had a good gameplay idea and they didn't realize that the two were not totally um, cohesing with each other and yeah. weren't willing to give up on one or the other. And we haven't talked about it before, but or I'm sorry, we haven't played them before, the Penumbra series, but as I understand, they, they used to have combat. And what you see as the Penumbra series progressed and kind of culminates in Amnesia, the combat kind of goes away as they realize that the game is stronger without it. And I really see Soma as a step away from amnesia 
where they didn't realize that their game didn't need a monster. And yeah. the, the, that was the kind of game they know how to make. And that was the mechanic that they were used to building their game around. But I almost want to play it again at some point. And it's certainly if I do play it again, it'll be in safe mode for one, just to see what it's like. But also because I kind of feel like that's the right way to play it. Sure. It's certainly more tone, totally. It's more uh, setting consistent. You know, they even could have like had the same gameplay, but just if the monsters get close to you because they're attracted to you, they glitch you out so hard you can't do anything. You have to wait until they get away from you, or then, find a way away yeah. from them. Um, so like you don't die, you don't pass out, but it gets extra creepy, and you can't accomplish anything until you get rid of them. But but that still would be interesting if they're just attracted to you and hang out. But don't do anything but be creepy next to you. So near, I'd say probably three quarters of the way through the game, it got to the point where even I didn't really want to be playing it anymore. There's a section where uh, it's very dark, like so dark that you can't really navigate. And really all you have to see are the lights, uh, like all of the door, all of the door controls have lights mm-hmm. and there are lights in the room, but you can't see the environment at all. You can just either see the light on the wall opposite you or see that it is obscured. Um, and there's a monster wandering around in there that can kill you. And something about that was really making me not want to play it. Um, and I was wondering if you had any like external to me, do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Like... Sometimes you like being scared. So you're saying that this is like the bad version of that? Yeah, or I don't know. I I both appreciated it and I appreciated that it was able to make me feel that way. We talked about this with Amnesia with uh, and made references to Silent Hill, like the basement that I didn't want to go into or the the parts of Amnesia where there's the torture chambers that I didn't want to go in. But ultimately, and and I guess I, I ultimately did in Soma also, but... I don't know, some, something about it, like what we ultimately ended up doing is just turning the gamma way up so we could see the room and that made it totally fine. And it wasn't because it made the monster less scary because you couldn't see the monster anyway because he's, <laughs> you're not supposed to, uh, but it made it so I could navigate the space. And something about not even being able to see the room really yeah. made me not want to play it. Yeah, so in Silent Hill, that that part with the basement and amnesia, I'm guessing, though I didn't watch you do this, it's kind of, it's just a point that you have to decide to go past. But then you go past it and you see what's next. But it's it's this moment. Whereas the sequence, I mean, I refuse to watch anything that you say that is bugging you out because, yeah, I'm not going to do okay with it. But I guess I did come and kind of watch after you turned the gamma up and... I had my phone on me so I could distract myself. Yeah, you were there for that whole time. Like, I, I yes. first got into that room, like, moments after you had gone to bed for the night or something. But I, I, I stopped playing, and then you saw me play through that sequence. A lot of the horror is in playing through that. But but that amount of, man, I don't want to do that, I don't think that that is sustainable. Oh, and that was, I. that's part of it, is I wasn't making any progress. I couldn't figure out where I was. I couldn't figure out yeah. why I was lost. The game is really stingy with maps. So you have no idea, yeah. like, the structure of the environment you're in. And, 
like I'm trying to follow a walkthrough, but the one that we were using was so like, okay, enter the room and then turn left. Well, I, I don't know when I got lost, so I don't know where I am turn compared to this walkthrough. Right. And so I was just totally turned around and I just kept dying and getting lost and right, it wasn't and the, interesting anymore. The freakiest parts of Silent Hill too. You know exactly what to do next. You're right. not lost. You just don't want to. <laughs> you just don't want to. Yeah. And it keeps feeding you just enough to go on to keep you moving. It's not too horrifying. It's almost too horrifying. You know you can move forward. And it's always just a little bit better than you were afraid it was going to be. So you can keep going. And it kind of pulls you through with this. Oh, this isn't so bad. That looks horrible. And this isn't so bad. But that looks horrible. And it just keeps you like plodding through this place you don't want to be because it's never quite as bad as your imagination told you it was going to be whereas in soma it just was you couldn't see anything you got totally lost and you died and then you did that over and over and over again and there was nothing like you didn't know what to do next and there wasn't like an obvious point you're going to next it's not pulling you through it's just like drowning you in that and I think that's less effective. It's it's not as subtle. And that comes back to another criticism that we had. Not even really criticism, but an observation that we had about the game is that I don't feel like it does a really good job of marking your progress. Mm-mm. And I, I, don't, I more mean like the goal and how far away you are from the goal. And I think that's a side effect of the way the game is segmented up, that there's all of these stations. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have a route, but the game keeps misdirecting you uh so you think you're going to go to the end but oh wait that route is blocked so you have to go through another station and it kept moving the end of the game further out yeah uh, such that it made it really difficult to understand how close you were to the end and how far out the game is and i think this probably i'd probably loop that in with the game's pacing and the sense of pace and that that's true in the macro level where you don't know where you are in the overall progress of the game itself. But I think it's part of this here that when you're lost in the dark, uh, you don't know how long you're going to have to be lost in the dark. So you don't know whether it's worth, you know, pushing through and being scared and and eventually succeeding and getting through it because you don't know, like, maybe the rest of the game is like this uh, or maybe it's just the next 10 minutes and it will be fine. It's really demotivating. Like, there was a lot of stuff in Soma that was really good, but it's a mistake to have anything in a game that's demotivating from playing it for at least anything that lasts very long. If if it is, it needs to be something the player will get through quickly enough that they won't stop in the middle of that. Yeah, the game's pretty good at short-term goals. It's like figure out a way to flip the switch, evade mm-hmm. the monster, and it's good at long-term goals, launch the arc, and it eventually gives you destroy the mm-hmm. destroy the wow, although that isn't really signposted very well. Um, but it's kind of bad at medium-term goals. You you don't you don't really know like which direction to go and it's it's almost intentional it's constantly misdirecting you yeah moving the goalposts is also a mistake yeah um and it, it, it i th- i think it's a mistake in probably most games but in a in a horror game where you're there for the experience but you also don't want it to last too long you don't want the game to keep convincing you that maybe this is never going to end yeah. 
So one of the other themes that the game presents you with is the the the, the nature of a digital identity. So uh, when when you're reading through the journals uh, and you're reading people's reactions to the ark and having their minds stored in the ark, there's a group of people who believe that in order to maintain um, What's the word that they use? I don't remember. Oh, I, I know. It's in order to maintain continuity between their original biological selves and the digital self in the ark uh, that they need to commit suicide as soon as the scan is taken. Uh, and there's a certain logic to that, that when the scan is taken, there's a copy of them inside the ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they remain alive outside of the ark, then they aren't in the ark. They're, a copy of them is. But if they die immediately, then for there's, there's only one identity and it has the sensation of moving from the physical world to the digital world. Right. And you guarantee that that the only one that remains is the one that experienced that continuity. And there won't be a version of you that's stuck with the horrifying truth of remaining behind. Right. And, and the game, again, goes into hand-wringing detail about the the aspects of this and and whether it's true and whether it's a thing to think about the crew is freaking out and tries to stop the arc project because people keep killing themselves but then the game puts you in the situation of having to experience this so uh at one point you uh you need to go deeper uh, underwater and your current body isn't suitable for it so you have to build a new robot body um, and transfer yourself into it. But what you learn as this is happening is that it's not a move, it's a copy and delete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have a moment where the, you, the player, are transferred into the other body, but you hear the original body still talking. And then he goes into a coma or sleep or some some you know like stasis state Mm -hmm. and then you're presented with the choice of what to do with with your original self are you going to turn it off or are you going to leave it there and it might wake up and all of that uh and then later at the very end of the game you're presented with the same choice again when you copy yourself into the arc um you copy successfully but then this time the game has you remain in the the original body and simon freaks out uh because somehow he still hasn't figured out that this is how it works uh that the thing that went inside the ark is a copy and not not the uh not the same person right uh and like i don't know like it's an interesting idea but i feel to me, it's unoriginal because I've already thought about this playing Swapper a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that's what that game eventually goes into. I haven't played it too much, but more by watching The Prestige, which right. is like, it's all about that. Enough of them. So you sacrifice, Robert. That's the price of a good trick. But you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? I've made sacrifices. Yes. It takes nothing to steal another man's work. It takes everything. 
No. No, 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 wait, I'm not... It took courage. It took courage to climb into that machine every night, not knowing if I'd be the man in the box. Only prestige. Do you want to, want to see what it cost me? That's a bigger movie to you than to me. <laughs> but it's not a niche film. I mean, this is a... No. The funny thing is, in that movie, I focus more on the second story than that one. The, 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 one, twins. the twins. Yes. Yeah. I tend to think more about this commitment that they have to this life. Anyway, um, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I, I, I get that from that movie, but my reaction was always one of, well, he made his choice. Like he's decided to sacrifice himself for his art and that's stupid and he's going to suffer for it. But I don't know. I think I had a very simple reaction to it. To the movie. Yeah, and to that concept of constantly copying himself and knowing that one version of himself is going to have to die. Right, and and, the, and it, it goes to the name of the film, the mm. the in that it's a magician that's trying to do a teleportation trick, uh, but what he actually has is a duplication machine. And uh, one of them, he refers to the man in the box, is the one that dies, and the other, the one that has been duplicated elsewhere, uh, is the prestige. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, waxes philosophical about whether, uh, you know, the, the the horror of not knowing when he entered the machine, whether he would be the man in the box or the prestige. And And that's an interesting thing to think about, but I feel like this game treats its subject matter as more original than it should, given the fact that that film mm. exists but maybe that's just my experience like i've already thought about this so i didn't think of it as particularly interesting because i already knew what i thought about it i guess the different thing is that they're doing it out of necessity for survival and not out of this need to perform that like that magician is making a choice that he doesn't have to make right whereas their choices to die or to possibly have a version of themselves that doesn't die and still die. Like, eh, there is some like horror in that. Would you, would you be willing to take this chance and then live with the disappointment? Would you, would you try to hope that killing yourself in the, the disappointing version would make it so that you only have the good version. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And it's something where I mentioned this to you before, like we talk a lot about the difference that playing a scenario out in a game makes versus watching it on a film. And there's an opportunity here for you to experience this. The, the game even itself refers to this is a coin flip at the end when mm-hmm. you remain Simon that's still on uh, in the machine rather than in the arc. Um, uh, Catherine says that we lost the coin flip this time. Um, but, and, and so this happens twice. You, you There's a time, I, I guess it's ultimately three times because you're Simon 
the Simon that is getting his brain scanned as a human before the apocalypse versus the Simon that is the copy that wakes up in, in Pathos 2. Uh, but then you're also the Simon in the less capable dive suit robot body versus the more capable robot body. And then you're the Simon who launches the Ark versus the Simon who is on the Ark. A version of this game that is less palatable and less you know playable but more interesting uh actually makes that random when you play it and Mm. allows you to experience okay you had your brain scanned and now the game is over because you know (laughs) you're you're just the human and you go on and live your life or uh okay you had your brain scanned and then you're like wait a minute why or you you try to copy yourself into the new body but wait a minute why didn't it work and then you get shut off and the game is over uh or uh so one of the things we do like about the game is that it does actually give you the opportunity to see the simon wake up inside the ark and you play 10 minutes of that but i think the more interesting way that that is done is when you play through the game you might get the ending where you are the simon uh underwater or you might get the ending where you're the simon in the ark and it's completely random and i think that is more interesting. It's probably not as good of a game. No, because, I mean, people want to see the whole game, right. and you would have people make it halfway through and then not get to see the the last half. Well, what, but what happens then in uh, the, the way gaming works today is people go online and they start talking about the game and realizing that they get different endings. I think this, that could be potentially very interesting, but it would be quite a bold move. That's more of a an art piece like yeah. statement than a a game which you know we we very much want games to be in this art realm but you make a very specific decision when you want to make a an art statement which is really what modern art is like that woman who decided to sleep in a bed in the museum for like a month recently. Did you see this? I'm unaware of this. She, Her art exhibit is her bed is in this museum surrounded by her trash and junk and she sleeps in it for like as long as the exhibit is open. She actually lives there. Anyway, I mean, that's just very different than creating something that someone can experience all of. It's a, you know, they're, they're, it makes you think. It does do things to you that static art cannot, and yet something is lost in the piece that can't remain and you only see pieces of and is ultimately temporary. Um, anyway, I don't know. Other video games have made decisions to do things like that. I think a full-length game like this, that would be very difficult to decide to do. You put so much work into developing a whole game and people might not see very much of it or might not be motivated to keep playing until they get all of the endings to line up so they can get to the end. I mean, alternate endings are a pretty normal thing in games. It might be too much to say that you should be able to have the game end 10 minutes in right. or halfway through. Yeah. But a, I, I a don't coin know flip that... on the end, totally. Yeah. A coin flip in the middle would be the worst. That's true. In the middle would particularly the, be. <laughs> the beginning would be like, okay, you started over again. The middle would be just the middle finger, really. So uh, the, the, the game ends 
with you successfully launching the ark right as the copy is being made mm-hmm. um and simon is left on a, left in pathos too um throwing a fit about not being the one mm-hmm. that ended up in the ark uh, until Catherine eventually shuts down and he's left alone and then fade to black and credits roll. And then after the credits, you wake up in the arc um, and have like a little thing. There's a survey that you take and I'm really confused because I know I've seen that survey about what your subjective experience is in the arc. It kind of seems like a self-debugging kind of thing. Are your senses working properly? That kind of thing. Um, so they must have had that survey exposed at some point in the past, uh, near the beginning of the game. I don't know. So, but one thing that we considered is, uh, it is nice that the game ultimately leaves you with, um, with kind of a nice feeling and a happy ending. Uh, but the tone of the game would be completely changed if it switched. And yeah. if you had the sensation immediately before credits of, you successfully upload yourself into the ark and you wake up in the ark. And then after that, you go back to the Simon that's still in Pethos 2 and have to deal with his state. Um, I go back and forth on whether I think that one of those is better than the other. Do you, Have you thought about that more? Um, I, I still kind of think giving you the the good ending immediately... And then reminding you of the overall question of the game with the bad ending after the credits. I think that that's more powerful. Um, whereas this way, it's just depressing and then it feels like they're throwing you a bone. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, eh, I think the other way is the better It the is better really choice. interesting to imagine the two scenes identically just reverse order and how different the emotional impact would be of the end of the game one way versus the other what if they play them at the same time split screen yeah go all metal gear solid four and have Raiden on one side and an old snake on the other uh-huh. now the real question is simon is left under the water what do you think he does i i think that the implication of the game is that he dies almost very soon because everything around him shuts down uh including catherine and he's left right before the credits talking to himself with no one to talk to i think the implication is that the reason you see simon inside the ark is because the simon outside the ark also dies Mm. very soon after that and so the continuity flows to the other one falling apart right i think that that's because uh because of what you inject into the wow but i guess that's not necessarily true because i think that's what happens even if you don't take down the wow yeah i hadn't really thought about that i was imagining him wandering back outside to get eaten by a big fish right because you know i don't know i imagine that he shuts down and dies but hmm yeah it does the game in general is interesting and the 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 that's really cool to kind of dig through the cruise quarters and experience kind of what the end of things was through their their journals and things and at the same time this game is yeah incredibly mostly depressing with a a hint of really wobbly hope 
Yeah, we kind of both have the sense that the version of this that you want is you want to play Tacoma, which is probably what we'll do in the near future. Yeah. Where you still have the kind of rummaging simulator, but you don't have to deal with horror and the monster. Yeah. Even the sense of being alone. The sense of being alone is ultimately worse to me because you get past the monster and there are spaces in this realm where you don't have to be chased by the monster. And then once you've accomplished your goal, you imagine you would just stay out of them. Um, But then you're still alone. Like you can't erase that part. That part would not go away. Um, Yeah. I don't want to play another game that's depressing or horrific for a little while. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, is Tacoma doesn't seem to be depressing or horrific, but it is still you alone in a space station. Oh, totally. Which, I really want to play yeah, it. I think it's probably going to be really interesting for you. you. I think that you should be able to just be the one piloting throughout the duration of that game. We'll, totally. We'll see. It looks it looks like the kind of thing I could do. So the last note that I have down here to talk about is to just in general, the game's length. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in terms of its pacing and its ability to signpost your journey through the game. Uh, but do you have any thoughts about the length of the game and was it too long? I don't think you think it was too short. Um. No, I definitely don't think it was too short. I do think it's possible that its message could have been stronger if they'd made it a little shorter and cut out some of the less important set pieces and stations Um, because it just, it's so depressing and it keeps going. And I, I did have the feeling of like, Oh my gosh, how are we not at the end of this game yet? And I kind of had that sensation with um, with Amnesia also. But the difference there was that Amnesia kept presenting me with new information that I yeah. had, didn't know or consider. And we kept anticipating that with Soma. We kept imagining that Catherine was going to turn out to be evil or there was going to be some big turn at the end. And it never really comes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game is pretty straightforward and what you think is happening is happening. Uh, and I think that that contributed to the sense of its length because nothing really changes. Right. It just keeps dragging you through the same message and the same sense of dread in every place, like in a slightly new context. But each station gets a little darker and a little bit more destroyed and a little bit the whatever the wow has done is a little bit even less human and more horrifying monsters get worse and yeah i i think that if you end up feeling like i can't believe this isn't over yet in a video game that it's it, a sign that it's probably too long yeah steam claims that we have 16.1 hours on record for this game i imagine that's quite inflated there were probably several times where we left it paused or on the menu screen or something like that it's not a 16 hour game it was probably more like eight yeah, I would guess 10. Okay. But I think that this could have been a four or five hour game yeah. and been just fine. Of course, people complain about that. but About games being that long? About games being too short. Oh, no. Because yeah. them being too long is way worse. Yep, it really is. Sometimes what you have to say just takes up a certain amount of space and then you need to shut up. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not on that camp. I like a lot of the short games we've played. Of course, we're adults who have less and less time. And we're just like, give me a game I can finish. Sure. 
I don't really want to just play games that keep me playing the same mechanics over and over again for the fun of it. I, w- I kind yeah. of want the meat and the message, and then I want to move on. Yeah. We probably also, like, we were playing this game with a controller, and the, the Frictional Games games are well known for their keyboard and mouse support mm. and how satisfyingly f- physical it feels. Uh, probably should have tried doing this one with a keyboard and mouse. It's just less comfortable. I enjoy sitting back with the controller more than I enjoy using my my keyboard for this kind of thing. But well, you could try it on safe mode. It's true. If we play it again, maybe uh, safe mode with the keyboard and mouse, and see if we really, really like it a lot, and we'll have to revise this. But I don't want to right now. No, it's not the mood. So we'll play more Steam World Dig. Yeah, a random shallow steampunk collectathon. Still going deeper and deeper underground, though. Yeah, but... Into dark caves. Yeah, but it's different. Can't wait until SteamWorld Dig turns into some kind of existential quandary. I'm just quitting at that point. (laughs) So, is there anything left that you have to say about Soma that we haven't touched on? No, I think we really, really covered it. I can't think of anything. Would you recommend Soma to a friend? That's a hard question to ask me. Maybe, so, like, instead of having it just be a random question like that, we had originally surmised, without having played all the way through Soma, that it might be a, an easier thing to recommend when compared to Amnesia. Uh, do you think sure. that that's still true? Sure. But, uh, boy, we just don't have enough video gaming friends for me to honestly <laughs> tell you that I think I know a lot of people who would want to play something this deep you know um i'd recommend it to other video gamers if they're in a specific mood i i would certainly rather play it than amnesia but i would definitely play it on safe mode myself that might make it so that i could play through it myself yeah um yeah i definitely the atmosphere in it is really good the art is really good um, there's definitely value in it, for sure. Well, great. This has been Game Older. I'm Jonathan. I'm Andy. Yeah, if you uh, if you liked this and want to listen to more of us talking into a microphone about games that may be old uh, or games that are less old but we still are, uh, you can find us at civilfritz.net slash gameolder or you can find us on itunes now which is kind of cool makes me feel all special (laughs) um you just i think if you just search for game older on the itunes podcast store thing you should find us there and we should probably get on other podcast places but for now you can find us there or on our website directly again that's civilfritz.net slash game older Uh, If you have things that you would like to tell us about why we are totally wrong about Soma or other suggestions for things that we should talk about, you can email us at gameolder at civilfritz.net. Andy, got anything to add before we sign off? Our cat is trying to break into the room. Our cat is trying to break into the room. She apparently has opinions on Soma as well. (laughs) She's the monster on the other side of the door. Oh, my word. Existential quandary. Anyway... Until next time, thanks for listening.
Nine years ago, a transporter accident created two William T. Rikers. One of them returned to his ship, the other was marooned on Nervola 4. The second Riker was finally discovered two years ago. He chose to use his middle name Thomas to distinguish himself from the other Riker. The two men are physically identical in all respects, right down to their DNA coding. This is a very entertaining story, but why am I listening to it? <laughs> I'm desperately not going to miss another clip like that. We're going to record no matter what. <laughs> Do you want me to say it again? No, no, I, did, I think it would lose something. <laughs>